Well, the Lord is so good. I am so thankful. Brother Merlo, I don't see you, but I'm looking forward to seeing you. Is that you right there? Raise your hand. Uh, longtime friend. Uh, he went down and tried to straighten out Don Espinosa after I left, and he didn't succeed, I can tell you that for sure. Uh, but we love him, and uh, he has some wonderful sons. Wonderful sons, and I thank God for him, and I thank God for all of my family, uh, and I'm telling you folks, God is good, and I'm so thankful for all that God does in my life. I'm so full of excitement today because of all that God did. I, as preacher said, uh, we had the funeral for my uh, oldest brother yesterday, uh, and uh, uh, he has a twin brother uh, that preached the message, and then I preached the message, and then my other brother preached the message, and you know, when you get around a bunch of preachers, you just preach. That's what you do. And uh, uh, it was an exciting time. And God's grace is magnificent today as it always is. And I'm very, very thankful uh, for that. I appreciate Brother Gaddis and his encouragement and uh, his standing behind our ministry, even though this church don't need our ministry. There's a lot to do. And uh, we're very thankful to be able to do that. We, uh, uh, we help about 1,400 churches a month send money into our missions agency. And so there's 1,400 of them out there that need a little bit of help. And so we're perfectly thrilled to be able to do that. Counted an honor. Uh, and uh, as he said, I retired from pastoring about two and a half, almost three years ago. And uh, let me tell you something, that's a joke. Uh, I work harder now than I ever have. Uh, used to, I had people to go do what I didn't want to do. And now I try to get my wife to do it, but she won't. And so I just end up doing it myself. And uh, you wouldn't believe how different that is. Uh, ask your preacher. <laughs> he knows. And so I'm, I'm excited about what God's doing. We had a fellowship meeting uh, just a short time ago in El Paso. And during that meeting, uh, we raised the offering for our missions office. Uh, we were having a $40,000 goal and we raised it. Amen. And uh, we had that commitment and half of it's come in already in a week. And I tell you, that's awesome. We praise the Lord for that. And uh, we're going to be able to keep on going. And uh, God is so good uh, to us that we uh, uh, just praise his holy name. And uh, I always want to give God credit for everything because I was just a poor lost sinner. Not good for anything. He saved my soul, set my feet on a solid rock and said, go preach. And I'm telling you right now, I thought he was joking that he had the wrong address. <laughs> but I'm glad to look back and tell you, my wife and I have been married for almost 51 years. We got married when we was 10, uh, <laughs> so we wouldn't be so old when we got here. Uh, but uh, my wife and I have the greatest relationship anywhere, anybody, uh, and because we do everything together. I meant uh, she works for me. That's a joke. Uh, she works in my office. And, uh, but uh, I tell people all the time, if you want your wife to do what you tell her, pay her. <laughs> and she'll do it. Uh, I pay her every month and she does what I want at the office. I thought it would carry over at the house, but it didn't. So uh, it didn't work out as well as I had anticipated. But... Uh, we are certainly thankful to be able to do everything together. We go everywhere together and uh, we just love being with each other. We fuss and fight all the time. I'm not kidding. 
Uh, we joke each other all the time. I pick on her all the time. I pick on her unmercifully sometimes and people go, <gasps> I said, well, you don't know what she said. Uh, so uh, I'm very thankful for my relationship with my wife. And then preacher told you, I got, to, I got to go and be a member of my son's church. That's amazing. I was so glad that when I joined his church, I remember all those times I was nice to him. And uh, I, I have to say this, when I pastored Liberty and we started the Global Independent Baptist Missions, all of the things that needed to be done uh, that we didn't have the money to do, Liberty did. And they invested bukus of money uh, in getting this started. And when I retired, I wondered what God was going to do about that. Well, I joined Grace and Bible Baptist Church and they voted to do the same thing that Liberty did. And so now everything we need, they just take care of it. Is God good or what? And then I get to hear my son preach all the time. Well, not really because I'm not there that much. Uh, but I get to hear him preach once in a while and he's really a good preacher. And I thank God for all of that. Now, this morning, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 8. I was absolutely amazed this morning when this man got up and taught Sunday school. I'm thinking to myself, did God send him a message or what? What is he doing up there? He's trying to steal my sermon. But then I realized it didn't matter because he taught it and I'm going to preach it. And, and there is a difference. Amen. <laughs> In Luke chapter 8, if you'll uh, turn there with me, verse 22, uh, Luke 8 and verse number 22, the Bible says, now it came to pass. Isn't it great? It always comes to pass. I don't care what happens today or tomorrow. It's going to come to pass. Amen. It always does. And he said, it, and now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. Now, don't forget that statement. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake. And they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water. And they ceased and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? Don't you love it? He said that to you at one time or another. I promise you he has. If he hadn't, maybe you're not listening. And they being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Heavenly Father, we sure do love you today. I'm so excited about to be in here today, and I thank you for Brother Gaddis inviting me to come. I thank you for this great church and all that it's meant to me in all of these years. And I praise your holy name for your goodness. And I pray that you'd bless the preaching of your word and it'd find lodging in the hearts of your people and perhaps in some folks that need to become your people. And I pray you'd bless all that's said and done here today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, when I went to Israel, by God's grace, I got to go out in the lake uh, or the Sea of Galilee, which is the lake he's talking about here. And uh, it's a very small sea. When I thought, when I first got saved, the Sea of Galilee. It's seven miles wide at its widest point, 11 miles long at its longest point. Uh, lake Texoma is bigger than the Sea of Galilee. 
That's kind of amazed me. I don't know why. But I got to go out into the middle and our guide, uh, we had a big boat out there and he stopped and he said, now this is where Jesus walked on the water. And I wanted to say, how do you know that? <laughs> Come on, man. But I didn't care. I believed him and I got to preach at that place. And, and uh, so I asked him, I said, you know, it seems like every time the disciples got in a boat and headed across the sea, a storm come up. Why'd they keep going out there? I mean, every time they record this, they, they're going through a, a storm. And he said, you see those two mountains up there? I said, yeah. He said, you see that valley? He said, there's a windstorm comes up just like this and whisk down through those two mountains. And it comes out here and boom, you got a gigantic storm. I said, wow. It's amazing when people explain stuff to you. I like it. So here they are. They've had a tough day. You ever been tired and needed to rest? I have a recliner for that. <laughs> and I go home and I put my feet up in my recliner and uh, my little black and white dog gets in my lap and we take a nap. <laughs> and uh, I like it. I need the rest once in a while. Well, Jesus had, had that kind of day. What a day he had had. The Bible says in verse 11 through 15, he talked to them about the, the, the soil uh, where the seed was found. And you know, there was the soil by the wayside and the devil come and stole the seed. And, and then there was the uh, seed that fell on the rocky soil. And, and then there was the, uh, the, uh, the uh, ones had thorns and bushes. I couldn't remember the word. Yeah. It wasn't good is what I'm saying. <laughs> and because of the cares of the world, that seed was stoned. And then there was a the good soil. And you know, all of my time, I would read that, read that, read that, try to figure out who was saved and who wasn't. And how do you know, well, this guy got saved and he lost his salvation. And finally, Brother uh, Dave fixed it for me. Uh, I heard Dave Hardy preach right over at the college. He said, listen, this is not about who's saved and lost. He said, it's about the soil. It's about everybody's heart. You have lost people and saved people and all of them have these problems. And I thought, well, thank you. I'm glad. And so he was teaching them that. And then the Bible says he taught about the candle uh, that was a representation of our, our light for the world, not to hide it. And then he uh, talked to those about being adopted into his family. I said, whoo, that makes me want to jump up and down scream. Thank God I've been adopted into the family of God. I don't deserve to be, but I'm adopted into his family. Whoo, glory, that's exciting stuff. And so the Lord had a tough day. So they got in the boat and he said, now let's go to the other side, guys. So he got in the back of the boat and went to sleep. Yeah. And so they go out there. And I don't know how he slept through the storm. I don't, I've always asked myself. That seems like it would wake you up. Especially when the storm's so bad, the boat gets full of water. Yeah. Have you ever tried to sleep with water on your feet? <laughs> For somehow he did that. Yeah. And when the boat got full, now you understand boats don't float if they're full. They sink. Now, I don't know whether you've ever sunk a boat before, but I have a crazy brother. I have several crazy brothers. Uh, and we were out on Lake uh, of the Pines and we had a barge and a 14-foot John boat, if you know what that is. It just barely is a boat. Yeah. <laughs> and we took the motor, 40-horse motor, off the barge and put it on the John boat. Now, can I tell you, don't do that. Just don't do that. And so we got it on there and we were putting around. He said, my brother said, I wonder how fast this thing will go. <laughs> and so he goes, Whoa, and that boat goes <laughs> and sunk to the bottom. Fortunately, we were in shallow water, so we were able to retrieve it. Not that it mattered to me. It wasn't my boat, it wasn't my motor. So I understand boats that sink. It doesn't work out too well. 
And so they were very fearful. In a sister passage of scripture in Mark, it says, they said, carest thou not that we perish? Can I just tell you any stress you have in your life or any problem you have in your life that would make you think Jesus doesn't care? You're not looking at it right. Jesus always cares. So he said to them, we're going to the other side. And they begin to seek. They begin to get fearful. And so they go and wake up Jesus. Say, Jesus, don't you care? And he looked up and said, oh, ye of little faith. Why did he say that to them? Because he told them, we're going to the other side. Hey, listen, you go to the other side with a full boat, an empty boat, whatever boat. If Jesus says it, it's so. Oh, ye of little faith. So he got up and he calmed the storm. Peace be still. And it just went. And that amazed them. And they said, wow, this is something. Now, I want to preach to you today about this. When storms come into your life, what do you do? Any of you ever have a storm? I had one yesterday. I've had many of them in my life. Bukus. I could spend all day telling you all the storms. But I'd rather spend all day telling you about the Jesus that quiets the storms. Amen. Because the storms are different and yet the same. Because he promised, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm never going to cause a problem to come into your life that I don't carry you through the other side one way or the other. I love what the three Hebrew children said. When they stood before the king and they said, we know that our God will deliver us one way or the other. Amen. And what he meant by that, he'll either take us out of the fire, which is what he did, or he'll take us to heaven. Either way, I'm out of the storm. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you folks, he'll always deliver you. And I thank God for that. And Jesus said, I want you to understand that you're never going to be alone. I'm so glad for that. Now, I don't know how you are. Uh, I uh, don't like to be by myself. Right. The only time I want to be by myself is when I'm in my prayer closet and I even invite my dog into that. <laughs> I uh, am such a needy person. That's why I take my wife everywhere because I, I need her. I need some of the companion. And uh, we joke all the time about what happens when one of us dies. It's going to happen. But we want to go together. But I can't get her to go over the cliff with me. Uh, And I told her, it's a biblical principle. Now, please, I hope I don't upset you with this. But it's a biblical principle that men can't live by themselves. Jesus, God said so in the garden. It's not good for men to be alone. And that's the truth. Ladies can be widowers or widows for years and years and years. Don't seem to bother them. A guy's wife dies two weeks later. He's looking for a date. Come on. So I told my wife, here's how we're going to solve it. If something happens to her, I'm just going to get married at the funeral. You got the flowers. You got the preacher. You might as well do it. And if you know anything about my wife, right along and she hits me. I'm an abused husband, by the way. She hits me all the time when I say things I'm not supposed to. And that's quite often, actually, to be honest. 
we have a wonderful time together. We really do. I just want you to know that Jesus told these men they're going to the other side. Now, what happens when a storm comes into your life? I believe we can learn from this story what we're supposed to do. Number one, you better make sure Jesus is in your boat. So, let me tell you that's the problem we have. Thousands and probably millions of people all over this world think they have Jesus in their boat and they don't. They've just got religion. I went and got a haircut a few weeks ago and this lady sat down and I'm telling you, if you get these people talking, they just cut your hair until you got nothing left. <laughs> and I'm sitting there talking to this lady and naturally I'm witnessing to her and she's telling me how good she is. She's so good she don't need to be saved. And I mean, she went on and on and on and on. Finally, I got to sit side and I'm just going to let her be that good or I'm going to be totally bald. <laughs> but she was just absolutely convinced that she was going to go to heaven. And I said, why do you think that? She said, because I'm good. I help people and I got a church. He said, well, that's silly. Yeah, but there's no more silly than some of the people perhaps sitting in this room that think they're going to go to heaven because they said a prayer. Amen. You see, that's not how you get saved. The Bible says in the book of Romans, you believe in your heart. If there's no believing in your heart, there's no salvation. And after you believe in your heart, that belief builds up in your life and it causes you to cry out and ask Jesus to save you. And you believe and cry and you get saved. And here's the good part. You know it. Now let me tell you, somebody asks you if you're going to heaven and you tell them when you got baptized, ah! you don't have a clue what getting saved means. Amen. It's not about getting baptized. I'm telling you the problem we have in our country is we have so much easy believism and we have so many people saying, hey, hold my hand and say this prayer. You get to go to heaven. You do not. Unless they teach you first. That's why the Bible says go and teach all men. What are we going to teach them? That they're sinners and they need a savior. And Jesus can be that savior if you believe. We got to have Jesus in our boat. And I'm telling you, when the storms come, if he's not in your boat, it is very hollow, very empty, and very tragic. Now, I've been through a lot of my families went to heaven. And I've known Christ through all of them but one. And when my father passed, I was 16 years old, and I did not know Christ. It was the most awful thing ever. I had no hope no joy, no understanding of even what was going on. It was a horrible storm. And then when my mother passed, after I led her to Christ, I'd been saved quite a while. I'm sitting there holding her hand and she looked at me and smiled and went off to heaven. And in my heart, Jesus was in my boat. So my storm calmed. Amen. Yesterday, when we had my brother's funeral, you see, I had uh, five, four brothers. They all went through Baptist Bible College. Four of us pastored for years and years. One of them, two of them's in heaven now. And so we had three preachers. Well, everybody's got something to say, you know. Preachers always got something to say. But it was different because Jesus is in my boat. 
Remember when Jesus got in your boat? Hallelujah. January the 14th, 1973. My wife and I had decided. We made a huge decision. (laughs) We were so old, so young, we didn't even know what a decision was. But we decided we was going to go to church because my son was about this big. And we was going to raise him in church and let him make his own decision. Can I tell you how silly that is? Kids can't make their own decision. That's why God gave them parents. Now that's free. That has nothing to do with the sermon. So we decided that we'd go to church. My wife uh, went down to Dairy Queen and she was bugging me to death. I didn't want to go to church. I've never been to church in my life, ever. At a church service, I went there for my father's funeral, but I'd never been at a church service. And... uh, (laughs) So she was trying to get me to go and trying to get me to go. And I, yeah, you know, I never did. The only thing I had to do on Sunday was get up in time for the Cowboys. That's all I cared about. And uh, one night, one Saturday night, she went down to the Dairy Queen to get us something to eat. She said, hey, I found a church to go to. Right across from the Dairy Queen. Called Diamond Oaks Baptist Church. And I said, yeah, okay. If we get up in the morning, we'll go. I had no intentions of getting up in the morning. At 7 o'clock on Sunday morning, I'm sitting up in the middle of the bed, (laughs) wide awake. (laughs) And my wife said, let's go to church. I said, okay. Call down there and find out what time things happening. She called down there and you're going to know this name. Bert Homer answered the phone. His sister and brother-in-law were lifelong members of this church. If Bert Homer was in the room, you knew it because he was so loud. Some of y'all know who I'm talking about. He answered the phone and my wife was talking to him. I could tell what he was asking by her answers. What's your name? How old are you? Where do you live? What's your phone number? Blah, 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 blah. Finally, I said, hang up on that idiot. (laughs) Well, it was too late then. He had us. (laughs) He had my number, my address, but we went to church that day. It was a three-row church, and they had theater seats, and we walked down the backside over here. Didn't know you're supposed to sit in the back. I had to learn that later. So we went all the way to the front, sat on the second row, right next to the Sunday school wing that went out this way. There was a lady there by the name of Snyder, Mrs. Snyder. Didn't know that at the time. We walked down there with my son in my arms, and she was standing there by the door, and I knew later she was the nursery worker. She grabbed my son and said, I'll take him. I said, no, you won't. And I took him back. And she said, yes, I will. And she grabbed him and ran. So I sat down in that chair. I'm already hopping mad. That crazy woman took my son. So we sat down in that chair that day. And Bert Homer got up. And have you ever heard him preach? He preached, and I said to my wife, what do you suppose that man's so mad about? I mean, he is preaching up a storm, and I'd never heard anything like it in my life. And finally, he got to this statement. He said, if you're sick and tired of your lifestyle, and I thought, dear God, if you only knew how sick and tired I am of my lifestyle. He said, let me tell you what can happen. Jesus will take a giant eraser and dip it in his own blood and wipe away all your sin. 
he said, I'm saying, whoa, that's what I want. And he said, if you'll come down here this morning, I thought he meant right then. <laughs> I'd never been to church. I didn't know they was going to have an invitation. So I got up and went down there. I'm standing over here on this side. And you know, a good preacher, nobody's going to stop him from preaching. So I'm standing over here and he just started preaching to these people over here. I didn't know how long you had to stand there. You know, people don't know what goes on at church. I didn't know. So I just stood there. Seemed like forever. Finally, he looked over me and said, what do you want? I said, I want to get that washed in the blood thing. He said, oh. Well, the, service was, the sermon was over. And he got down there and led me to Christ. Whoo, what a day. <laughs> I was just, that song that my brother sang a while ago. My music director used to sing that every once in a while just for me. Because that's exactly what happened. I may not make it, but I got to try. And he washed me in his blood. And my wife, not knowing anything more than I did, while I'm over here getting saved, she comes down the aisle. And they just left her standing there for some reason. I don't know why. I guess because the preacher was busy. Finally, one of the deacons come up and said, ma'am, what do you need? And she said, I don't know what he's doing, but I need to get that washed in the blood thing. <laughs> so she got saved on that end. I got saved on this end. And then he baptized us together that night. I don't mean, in, I mean, he did it together. He was standing right here. I'm standing right here. My wife's standing right here. He said, put your arm around her, and I do like this, and I did. And he put both of us down together and brought us back up together. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, we were a lot thinner then. <laughs> Nobody would dare try that now. But we were baptized together. We've been serving God together ever since. Now, I'm telling you, Jesus is in my boat. Is he in yours? Do you have a testimony of some kind where you met Jesus? I'm not talking my mommy told me I got saved when I was five. I'm telling you, you need to have a day when you know when you met Jesus Christ. And if you do, it's like the song says, you just got to go tell somebody. If you've never told anybody, you might want to check up and see if you're saved or not. I'm telling you, it's a wonderful thing to know Jesus. Not only does Jesus have to be in your boat, but number two, you got to know how to get hold of him. When the storm comes, they had to go back there where he was. When the storm comes, what do you do? Call your preacher? And that's okay. That's okay. But you need to know how to get a hold of Jesus for yourself. You got to know how to obtain his favor, how to get his attention. How to talk to him. Where do you go? I talk to him every day so I know right where he's at. Amen. Now, if you've got to confess a bunch of sin for he'll talk to you, you might have a problem. Amen. You've got to know how to get a hold of him. He's right there. But you still got to get a hold of him. I'm so glad. I, 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 there's a few things in my life that I've done and I wondered right after about a half a second after I did it, I wondered why I did it. I was out in the middle of a, a lake and they had a gigantic uh, oil derrick, if you know what that is, out in the middle. And they had a platform at the 45 foot level. 
And people crawled up on that platform and jumped off in the lake. I had this good friend of mine. I said, let's go do that. He said, okay. So we crawl up there and I jump off. Can I tell you a half a second after I jumped, I sure wished I hadn't. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I learned a couple things from that. Number one, if you're going to jump off or something 40 feet off the water, wear shoes. <laughs> it hurts like crazy. Number two, point your toes so your feet don't come up and slam into your chest. <laughs> it hurts. That was stupid. And here's the even dumber part. The idiot that jumped off with me, when we got in the water, he said, I forgot I can't swim. <laughs> now, I only thought I was stupid until I talked to him. <laughs> Can I just tell you folks, if you don't know how to get a hold of Jesus, you're not very smart. Because you can't do anything without him. As our missionary said this morning, we've got to run to Jesus. We've got to run to Jesus. Number three, he told him, be not afraid. You know, when storms comes in our life, the devil overtakes us with fear. Can I tell you, Jesus is not the author of fear? Ever. But fear is what we go through. What if, what if, what if? If I could take that out of my vocabulary, I'd be so excited. What if we don't be able to do this? What if we can't do that? What if this happens? I tell people, what if it don't? Fear is always about what if. You know why some people don't give? What if we don't have enough money to make it? What if we get sick? I laugh at people. I do a lot of missions conferences. I love missions. And the Bible says uh, in 2 Corinthians, they promised to give a year ago. People think we just made that up. Now listen, when you come to a Faith Promise Missions Conference, we ask the Lord to speak to our heart. We write it on a card and we give it for a year. That is what the Bible says. Right. <laughs> Amen, preacher. Yeah. And then I've had people say, but preacher, how do I do that? I don't know what's going to happen all next year. Yeah. Right. And I said, is that what you told him when you went and signed a 30-year note on your house? <laughs> Listen, none of us know what's going to happen. But I'm just crazy enough to believe if God speaks in my heart and tells me to give this much money, guess what? I'm going to have that much money for a whole year. Hallelujah. You see, you got to not allow fear to overcome you. I'm telling you, I watched my sister-in-law the last few days. And she says she's saved, but I, I don't know whether she is or not. I don't know anybody is, to be honest, but... I saw fear grip her heart. She hugged me on the way out of the funeral yesterday. And she says, now what am I going to do? My heart broke for her. And I told her, trust God. And I don't mean to be ugly, and if I'm sure she's not watching, but, and I don't mean to insult her. She didn't have a clue what that meant. We're not going to make it here if we allow fear. You're right. yeah. These young people that show up at Heartland, <laughs> there's a little fear involved here, fellas and ladies. <laughs> what if I can't make the grades? What if I can't pay my tuition? They're going to kick me out. <laughs> I've been there and I know how that feels. My wife and I showed up at Baptist Bible College 
with a truck full of junk and $112. I remember all the way up there, my wife and I said, what if we can't find a job? What if we can't, what if we can't, what if we can't? I was scared out of my mind. But you know what? God did. And I could spend all day telling you all the good things He did. Fear will destroy it. And then one more thing. You got to believe. He said, oh, ye of little faith, I told you we're going to the other side. I told you I will never leave you nor forsake you. I told you I will take care of you. He said, I told you I've never seen God's people begging bread. I told you, I told you. And he's told us over and over and over. Why don't we believe that? I uh, understand that probably everybody in here believes God answers prayer. But that's really never been the question. The question has always been, will he answer mine? Hello. Will he answer your prayer? It's exciting when God does. Now let me clarify that for a minute. I do this all the time. And please, I'm not saying you have to do it. I just do it. But when God answers a prayer, how do you know who he's answering? Your preacher's praying for it. The congregation's praying for it. Your wife's praying for it. How do you know who he answered? Well, I think he answered me. Okay, I'm, I'm good with that, but how do you know? I challenge you. Find some great thing you want to pray about and don't tell anybody. Just you and God. Just you and God. And watch him do something. There's a lot of things. My wife gets mad at me sometimes. She's, why didn't you tell me that? I didn't want you to know. I wanted to talk to God about that by myself. Amen. See if he answered my prayer. So she caught on to that, and now she don't tell me anything either. <laughs> Has God ever answered your prayer? It's exciting when he does. And you know, if God will answer one prayer, he'll answer them all. You just got to believe. And when storms come into your life, you better believe you got to believe. Where is your faith? Faith is such a wonderful word. God defines it for us. He says, faith is the things that are hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Aren't you glad that your faith is made up of those things that you hope for? What that means is, is all those things that I've read in the Word of God and I've seen in the Word of God and I've seen God uh, do in my life. That's what my faith is built upon. You know why God tells you that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God? Because when you read the Word of God, it builds your faith. Hey, if God will deliver the Hebrew children and Daniel and all the other wonderful things in the Word of God, He'll do the same for me. And it gives me faith. I look back on my life and I see all the things God's done for us. By faith, I think, wow. Do you ever read what the children of Israel do and wonder what was wrong with those people? I mean, God brought all those plagues and brought them out. You imagine living through all those plagues and then they get to the Red Sea and they panic. He parts the Red Sea. Wow, would you like to see that? You know how much guts it took to walk out there? He parted the Red Sea turned 
give them manna to eat, got water out of a rock. Out of a rock. And then they wonder and they gripe and they complain. We can't go in there. There's giants in there. You don't think the Red Sea was a giant? Have you ever thought to yourself, I do it all the time. I keep reading it over and over thinking it's going to be different. That they're going to learn. But they never do. And I keep looking at my own life and going through these storms and I think, surely preacher, you're going to learn. Because God's done all these wonderful things. And now the wind picks up and I start panicking. Faith. Secondly, I love this part, the second part. It's the evidence of things not seen. I love that part, don't you? You know how I know Jesus rose from the dead? By faith. I wasn't there. You know how I know he ascended up into heaven? By faith. You know how I know he will save me if I ask him to? By faith. It's evidence of things not seen. I see people arguing about creation. Isn't that funny? You know how you know Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and Genesis 3 is true? By faith! You think we can prove to the world? I heard a guy say one time, boy, if we could just find Noah's ark. Everybody. No, they wouldn't. Because it has to be by faith. You can't prove God created anything to a person that don't want it. You ever tried to lead somebody to Christ don't believe the Bible? Go on home and eat a hamburger. It's not going to do anything. Because if they don't believe the Bible, they have no faith, they can't get saved anyway. Even if you get them to say every prayer you can think of, it isn't going to help. So here's what I came to tell you today. When a storm comes into your life, make sure Jesus is in your boat. Now listen, folks, this is the most important part of this. He's got to be in your boat. I've had a lot of people saved in our church that supposedly had been saved for years. Had two of my deacon's wives. I was preaching through the book of Acts. I love to preach through books. I don't get to do that anymore, by the way. You can't preach through a whole book in one sermon. So you can. <laughs> I was preaching through the book of Acts and I got to the place where King Agrippa got saved. Man, what a passage of Scripture. So I sat down in my office on Wednesday morning and I started writing. I thought, boy, boy, this is why Paul, uh, why King Agrippa almost got saved. And this is why he didn't get saved. And this is what he should have done. I wrote out this wonderful sermon about how to almost get saved. But go ahead and finish it. So I laid it aside and said, I'll preach that to the next revival meeting I go to. So I started trying to prepare something for the Wednesday night crowd. You know, the Wednesday night crowd is expecting a certain kind of sermon. And that's not it. So I sat there. Five o'clock came. Six o'clock came. Starts at seven. And I got nothing. That'll make you a touch nervous. I thought to myself, okay, I'm just going to get up on Wednesday night and say, sorry, guys, go home. I got nothing. They're not going to like that. Finally, about 6.15, I'm on my knees begging God. I don't know if you've ever done that, but if you've got to preach and you've got nothing, you'll do it. Yeah, that's right. Finally, that still small voice in my heart said, I gave you the sermon, just preach it. I thought, Lord, you've got to be kidding. 
But I did. I got up on Wednesday night. You could tell by the look on their face. They're thinking, what is he doing? I just preached a revival service on Wednesday night. Gave the invitation. And Gracie Ridinger came down. She was one of my deacon's wife. And she took me by the hand. And I'm thinking, she wants to pray for somebody. She said, preacher, I'm not saved. I need to get saved. So I called my wife over there. I said, uh, Gracie needs to get saved. She said, what? Now, if there's anybody in the church you'd assume was saved, it was her. She was a sweet-spirited lady that worked herself silly for Jesus. But she wasn't saved. So my wife's over there leading her life. Her best friend was also a deacon's wife. She come down the aisle. I thought she just wanted to pray for Gracie. She said, if Gracie can admit it, I can too. So I led my other deacon's wife to the Lord. You know what that told me? Everybody's not saved that says they are. And I'm telling you, those two ladies changed greatly for the good, and I didn't think that was possible because they were both wonderful ladies. I'm just telling you, folks, you better know Jesus is in your boat. And you got to know how to get a hold of Him. How do you get a hold of Him? Listen, anytime I'm preaching, I need to get a hold of Him. I got in my prayer closet this morning, and I begged a little. Say, so you beg, I beg a lot. I'm just a beggar. Because I know what I'm capable of, and I know what He's capable of. And I'm telling you, I'm not going to let fear overcome me. And I'm just going to believe what He says. That's how you get through the storms of life. And folks, I've been through many. I buried my mother, my brother, my sister-in-law who raised me, my granddaughter, my other brother. I've buried a bunch of them. They're all waiting on me in heaven. I can hardly wait to get there. Storms. You better know. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Folks, listen. This is so important. I cannot, I cannot possibly tell you how important this is. That right now in your mind, you look back to the day you got saved. And you remember how awesome it was. And how God changed your heart and your life. And what it's meant to you all these years. Can you do that this morning? Just look back. Oh, I look back on my salvation all the time. Even though it's been so many years ago. And I praise the Lord that I have a definite time and a definite place where I receive Christ as my Savior. Would you do that today? Heavenly Father, we so love you. I'm so thankful that you saved my soul that day. And you made me know that I'm saved. And you've given me a relationship with you. And you've allowed me to tell many others about how awesome it is to know you. God, you give me one more chance today. And I can't help but believe you laid this on my heart because there's some folks out here that don't have Jesus in their boat. And they need to accept him as their Savior today. So I pray that you'd speak to their hearts. Draw them. I remember the way you drew me. You'll do that. I pray, Heavenly Father, that those that are saved need to know how to get a hold of you and not let fear overcome and that just, just believe you. Lord, everybody in this room is either going through a storm, they just came through one, or they're about to go through one. 
God help us today to understand how to deal with these storms. I love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? Now listen, this is the greatest part of life right here. Stand up with me. I'm going to tell you right now, listen to me. God's going to give you a chance to do something. You may never get another one. We're going to sing page 254 today, and here's your opportunity to make sure Jesus is in your boat. And if he's not, come, let us show you how you can get saved today. And listen, if you're going through a storm, come and get a hold of the Lord today. He's right down here at this altar. Come talk to him about it. Don't let fear overcome you. I know people are afraid to go down in front of people. I don't understand that because this is so much more important than that. So we're going to sing, and we're going to give you a chance. You step out and come. People down here are going to deal with you, help you. You don't have to do this by yourself. Hallelujah. If you just come. So we sing, you come. You got that? Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, maybe you've never been to church. I didn't understand. So we're going to give you a chance as we sing.